podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, 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 what's going on, beautiful people? You're now locked into the Dysonomics podcast, episode 316. Um, make sure you check out last week's episode. I spoke on the Israeli war in Gaza and how it's impacted the economy, well, the global economy. So we we spoke about the Houthis. We also spoke about Israel's economy, how it was in good stead before the war, how the war's impacting in terms of reservists not being able to work and restricting work permits, not restricting, removing work permits from people in Gaza and the West Bank and how it's impacted the economy. So make sure you check that episode out. And I might as well update you of what's been happening since. So on a previous episode, so I talk about who the Houthis are, um, what their MO is, their history, the Yemen, Yemeni civil war, their beefy Saudi Arabia, what they're doing in the Red Sea, so on and so forth. So make sure you, you run the episode back to get the gist for that. But an update is that now the UK, the US, I believe with, with help from Canada, I think Germany are now joined, and I can't remember the other nation, maybe it was Holland, have actually now effectively gone to war with the Houthis, effectively going to war with Yemen, technically, because obviously they do control 70% of Yemeni territory, including the capital, Sinai, which had, I think there were strikes midweek, late week. Um, so the US military air force, as well as RAF, which is a British air force, struck several targets in five different regions. I believe five um, Houthi people were killed. And this is quite interesting because it's brought up a lot of debate because people are like, bro, the Houthis haven't killed anybody so far. Uh, and Americans have now killed 15 Houthis effectively because they killed five in a with a helicopter strike on one of their on some of their boats. Um, the Houthis aren't backing down. Um, I think they've seized a ship recently or they struck some ships. There's rumors of two American um, so, uh, two American combatants dying near Somalia. I'm not too sure how that is. The Houthis are blocking the Suez Canal from US and UK ships. So now, okay, cool. If you don't want to get involved, we're, we're willing to tussle. We're going to ride or die for what we believe in. We're going to ride or die for the Palestinians because they are effectively causing a blockade on Israel. They're not allowing any Israeli-affiliated ships to come through until they stop what they're doing in Israel. And despite what you think about Houthis, you think they're pirates and whatever, I think that's a commendable action. And it's how you should kind of stick up for your comrades in other countries but yes it's interesting debate now <laughs> now our ships are being blocked in the Suez Canal and the Red Sea and what's also interesting is that even more people and I say people businesses don't want to send their ships to that region so effectively this situation has now been escalated by the United States and the UK there's a lot of discourse on why couldn't President Biden just go to war with Yemen without running it through Congress. Then Rishi Sunak just kind of had a Cobra meeting and he kept um, Keir Starmer in the loop and just decided to, without running it through Commons. Um, I'm sure there is some laws that enable them to do such things, but I don't think it's particularly democratic. I think everybody should have a, a say in that. But yeah, that's what's going on in the region. And yeah, the Houthis, they're getting it cracking. They're, they're, they're backing down from the UK and the US. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forth. So obviously that was a quick ramble about the previous week's episode. This week's episode, 
Well, I was meant to be a midweek one. You guys know I'm trying to do the midweek pod dropping on Thursday. But of course, Thursday was a day South Africa led with their statements in their dispute against Israel with regards to genocide in Gaza against Palestinians. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to watch all this, record late night, drop it for you people on Friday, which I did. At first, I dropped the wrong episode. <laughs> Pro tip, don't be doing highly technical stuff at 3am. So got rid of that, posted the actual pod, and then I realised that my mic, which I think my XLR cable, which you probably don't care about, has been moving hella funny. So those bare quiet spots, I tried to record over those, didn't bang. So I said, you know what? That's fine because Friday saw Israel's arguments. So obviously I watched Israel's arguments, made my notes, so on and so forth. But I was like, what's the point of dropping a pod on Saturday when I drop on Monday? So here's the Monday pod. And for those who like YouTube, I want to do a YouTube video and a shorter breakdown. But obviously the main gist, the main detail will be on this pod. So what's going to happen next is we're going to speak on South Africa's case against Israel, Israel's rebuttal, and my opinion on the validity of the arguments. And obviously we'll go from there. You get me? By the way, that will commence after a short break. Hi, guys. I'm Sam and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Because it's late. This it's Thursday, late. we saw, well, the Thursday just passed, we saw South Africa, some of their top lawyers state their case for Israel's intent on genocide with regards to Palestinians. So Israel raised a dispute with the conduct of the Israeli government, Israeli forces in the International Court of Justice. And this obviously this is quite monumental because this is an African country who's not involved in disputes bringing Israel to the UN's top court. Now there's so many things we can delve into. We're gonna first start off with what the ICJ actually is, who is involved. How does this differ from the ICC? What powers do they have? Then we're gonna speak about why did South Africa do this? Why are we at this point here where Israel is defending themselves in court with South Africa, of course, on the offensive legally? What were South Africa's arguments? What were the Israeli rebuttals? And my analysis on all of the above. But first let's get into what is the ICJ? And what powers did they have? So the ICJ is a judicial organ of the United Nations. And this organ came to life in 1945 uh, via the signing of the United Nations Charter in San Francisco. The court comprises, oh, sorry, the court is composed of 15 judges. And what is the function of the court? Well, simple. Well, not really simple, but you know what I mean. Their role is to settle legal disputes between states submitted with accordance of international law, right? They give advisory opinions on legal matters, refer to them as well. Only states eligible to appear before the court in contentious cases. At present, this is essentially mean that 193 member states, United Nations can appear in the court. The court has no jurisdiction to deal with applications from individuals, non-governmental organizations, corporations, or any private entity. It cannot provide them with legal advice or help them in, in dealings with national authority. This is interesting because I've seen, and it's going to be a rant, I forgot to add this in my general gist of the podcast, but what's really, I might as well start the rant now, what's really pissed me off here, it's been pissing me off for ages, it's just like, 
um, Jewish tweeters, whether they be like, and they'll be big accounts. That's why they come on my For You page. Like tens of thousands of followers, sometimes hundreds of thousands of followers. They might be journalists, um, editors, um, lawyers, whether they may be, they're people of significance. Hence their following. And it's not because they're Jewish. It's because what they're saying is totally absurd. People speaking of their anger and their sadness and how they feel sad that the world's against them. Bro, you live in the fucking UK, bro. Just because the world is talking about the conduct of the Israeli government and military, not even the conduct of Israeli civilians, which we can actually technically speak on because we're going to talk about the settlements, talk about... 57% of them believe there's not enough force. Some of the comments we see on social media and YouTube. So we can't even talk about that, but the world isn't even talking about that, bro. For the most part, it's talking about the actions of the Israeli government with endless information and the IDF of endless information and evidence, right? And you've got these people speaking of how they're fear. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck, fam. I literally just watched a video today of like maybe a one-year-old, two-year-old, covered in smoke, bloody, shaken recklessly on a table. And I see this every day. Families obliterated. Kids, mums, dads, uncles, cousins, maimed. People are hungry, cold, they're homeless. And people want this to stop because we are humans. And you are here making it seem like we want the destruction to... Bro, people... There are, don't get me wrong. There's some people who are supporting Hamas. Yeah, definitely. And I don't care what nobody says. Do you know what? I'm just going to live my truth. I understand why people support Hamas. They are the resistance to the occupation of force of Israel. Israel is a colonial project. That's the reality of the matter. They came and they confiscated endless amounts of land in 1948 pushed out hundreds of thousands of people, killed tens of thousands, boasted about it, started a war again in 1967, then took even more land. So when they first, they first had 55% of the land in 1945, as, as from now, it's like closer to 85% of somewhere they didn't own land prior. And it's not just that they've taken this land, it's the non-stop oppression of the Palestinians in Gaza and West Bank. You cannot leave Gaza without permission. That's a fact. I read that 400 people have been have died because they've not been able to get the surgery they needed from Israeli hospital because they weren't allowed to leave. Israel, and this is a fact, calculated the, caloric, the minimum caloric amount so they could restrict a certain amount of food entering Gaza. Israel controls the, controls the water, controls the, controls the electricity in Gaza. They control exports and imports, the airspace, the sea. And when people protest, they get shot and killed. What are we talking about here? In the West Bank, there's certain roads where Israelis are only Israelis are allowed. So naturally, there's going to be a form of armed resistance in extremism. And and I understand why people will side of that. Because you may say it's extremely violent and so on and so forth. Yes, it is. But guess what? Nothing worked prior. Not international law, not campaigning, not protesting, not trying to run elections. None of that works. 
So I'm not going to be naive to understand why there was armed resistance like the IRA, like the ANC in South Africa. So that's number one. But a lot of people don't even care about Hamas. They just want people to not be bombed relentlessly every single day. And you get these absolute morons acting like you not wanting people to be slaughtered is wrong. We just defending ourselves. No, you didn't. You can't defend yourself if you are the occupying state. That is international law. And not only international law, it's also common sense. And if you want to kill Hamas, cool, go fight Hamas. But you're blowing up innocent people. You're telling several people, hundreds of thousands of people to go to safe zones and you're bombing them. I've, I've Almost every week, I've seen a video. So this is not rumours, allegations. I've seen a video of my own two eyes of an Israeli sniper shooting a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, a grandma. Non-stop, bro. What's, what are we talking? What's wrong with these people? Complain about protests. I, do, I saw somebody say today they don't want to leave the house. Stay in your fucking house, bro. It's a peaceful protest with loads of Jewish people in attendance. Because what Israel is doing is not indicative of Jewish people. And apparently even conv- even like kind of making Jewish people in Israeli as a monolith is actually anti-Semitic definition. I, I don't know about that, so I'm not going to speak on that too tough. I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe listeners can help me out. But just because people don't agree with the far right, literally Nazi akin in terms of like fascism government, which in any other circumstance, if this government was in the UK or Holland, these people would be complaining about them. But people can't. And people tell you about their stupid feelings. Fuck off. Absolute twats. And history remember, you dickheads. This is not like we're talking about, oh, taxes. We're talking about if NHS should be private or not, or should we disband it? This is, we're talking about life and death for innocent people. And you can't come and say 695 innocent people dead, this was a genocide. And then tell us that 23,000 people dead is not. That doesn't make no fucking sense. Stupid. Anyway, sorry, rant over. Where was I? (laughs) Anyway, what powers should the ICJ have? So once they've made the judgment, it is actually legally binding, but technically, Israel, for example, if ICJ was to rule in South Africa's favour, Israel could technically actually ignore the court's ruling. It's the ICJ, which is the International Criminal Court, that has the ability to send people to jail for up to 30 years. They have the power to put people behind bars. And what's so funny is because all these prats I was talking about before said, Hamas should be in front of the ICJ. Hamas can't be in front of the ICJ. They're not a legitimate, recognised government, as you've been telling us anyway. Palestine is not even recognised as a state by a lot of people. So if you want to submit, and the funny thing is, claims against Hamas, as well as Israel, has already been submitted to the ICC in terms of breaking international law. So all this hoo-ha is just bollocks. Fucking imbeciles. Anyway, so that's the powers that ICJ have. Now, why did South Africa do this? It is very difficult to prove allegations of genocide, right? 
either South Africa does prove that Israel has committed genocide or is failing to prosecute incitement to genocide or prevent genocide from occurring, ICJ decisions aren't necessarily easy to enforce. And also, of course, the initial arguments aren't even entering that realm yet. What South Africa want is to get a temporary measure to make Israel stop what they're doing. A preliminary order, shall I say. South Africa submitted um, a 84-page application and they want this to be done ASAP, right? Now, people saying, but dysonomics, you said that Israel could just ignore it. Technically, yes, but it's hard to. Because once, first of all, Israel signed up for the, for the genocide convention, yeah? Which Hamas didn't sign up for because Hamas didn't exist then. So stop talking about Hamas appearing in front of court for the genocide, ICJ for the genocide convention, you stupid twats. Anyway, so... It is very, very bad diplomatically and reputationally for Israel to completely ignore this. Even though, I'm going all over the place here, I literally read Netanyahu's Say Today, which is Sunday, that not even The Hague, which is where the ICJ is based, can stop them from having Hamas. So that kind of implies that they'll ignore whatever the man say, which is going to be a very hard push because, first of all, certain countries like the UK and the US have laws where people who don't comply with international law and stuff like that you actually can't trade with them that's number one number two it would be very like but obviously people like the US are putting pressure onto Israel not enough in my opinion especially if you're funneling them weapons anyway and other countries could put even more pressure on Israel with using this as a pretense because obviously people are allies of Israel and they're trying to like pussyfoot around it they could be a bit more forceful with it and even in Israel, it's actually a crime punishable by death to commit or incite genocide. I mean, commit or intend to commit genocide. This is, of course, signed after the Holocaust and after the creation of Israel. So it will be very interesting to see how Israel will try to wriggle their way out of this if they are convicted. Right? Anyway, South Africa are sticking up for Palestinians. South Africa, of course, um, can relate to this um, um, African um, black South Africans relate to this because they were in an apartheid state similar to how the Palestinians have been in an apartheid state and even the 1990s even from when Mandela was in jail they had links with the PLO which is a Palestinian liberation organization um, who are like the ruling power for Palestinians in the West Bank um, right the late Yasser Arafat once said that they kind of like they're very similar to one another and that's South Africa and Palestinians because they both are fighting for the right to self-determination South Africa could have brought charges to the ICC but as I said before the ICC are already investigating Hamas as well as Israel the ICC was set up to investigate and prosecute individuals at the highest levels who are accused of planning and directing war crimes the ICJ exists to peacefully settle disputes between nations. Under the Genocide Convention, any country can bring charges of genocide against another the ICJ, even third parties like South Africa have done. For example, 2019, Gambia brought a genocidal case against the Myanmar due to its crimes against the Rohingya ethnic group. The Republic of South Africa have consistently condemned Israel. They've also voted to close the Israeli embassy and they withdrew its diplomatic staff. 
Their foreign minister also delivered a referral to ICC to investigate crimes, including the crime of genocide in November 2023. Now, what's interesting, this case should take months, probably years to conclude, but the decision on the preliminary measure is likely to take months. Um, the ICJ ruled um, Russia should immediately end its hostilities to Ukraine, but <laughs> that man are still going on, do you get me? It's going into year three. The UN Security Council theoretically can enforce consequences should a party to the case fail to comply. So let's say Israel fail to comply, as Netanyahu has alluded to today. The UN Security Council technically have the ability to enforce consequences, but one of the five permanent members of that council can veto it at any point. So, the, so that, what, I, what does that mean? Five members in, in the UN Security Council have the ability to veto any action. And you're probably guessing one of those members is the United States, and that is true. So it's likely with the way US are moving that they would veto that. You get me? Now let's get into South Africa's arguments. So many think the star of the show was um, South African um, lawyer that goes by the name of Adila Hassim. Big up her son who tweeted how proud of his mom he was. That was a beautiful moment to see. Um, and there was obviously several lawyers, um, including an Irish lawyer, a British lawyer, a couple of South African lawyers. And I want to give you like the overview of their arguments, right? So they had like five main pointers. Point number one, the mass killing of Palestinians. South Africa argued that the first genocidal act is the mass killing of Palestinians in Gaza. Um, um, Hassan provided pictures of mass graves where bodies were buried and often unidentified. The usage of 2,000 pound bombs in parts of Gaza considered safe. So let me get into that a bit more. A 2,000 pound bomb, yeah. If you drop a 2,000 pound bomb in an area, lethal fragments dispersing from that bomb can hit people up to 1,000 feet away. Now imagine, if you know someone who's five foot, <laughs> times that by 200, yeah? Let me give a better example. A whole football pitch, yeah? As, we, as it stands, I'm currently watching Ghana draw with um, Cape Verde. And this is a very big football pitch. Three of these football pitches, yeah? From one side of pitch one all the way to the end of pitch three a lethal fragment can hit somebody that is how destructive these bombs are now if your argument is that you are targeting military targets i don't know how you can have over forty thousand military targets but that's just me what do i know and you're looking and you're doing the most ever to prevent civilian losses which is what israel claims then you wouldn't be dropping two thousand pound bombs in areas you are saying is safe. And there's been hundreds of occasions where Israel has done that. 1,800 families have lost multiple family members. Some survive, some, some families have no survivors. E even babies have died. And I can speak on the masculine. I see the, I see the videos every day. Virtually 250 people die every day. 4% of the population is either wounded, maimed or dead. Two and a half percent are dead. That is, if you take that to America, same ratio, that's equivalent of three and a half million people in America being dead. If that's not genocidal intent, I don't know what is.
Because you don't need to blow up the whole of, I think they said 70% of buildings in Gaza have been leveled. You don't need to blow up that many buildings, especially if you keep telling us that Hamas are hiding inside tunnels. And you keep telling us Hamas are hiding in schools and this and that using human shields. Even though using a human shield is illegal in this special war, human shield literally does, doesn't mean that you're chilling in an area where there's humans. It, need, you, it actually means actively using humans as a shield, which Israelis have actually been caught doing, documented, and they had to be banned from doing that in the Supreme Court. Just because man arms, you still can't clap civilians anyway. It's still a war crime. So that was number one. Point number two, bodily and mental harm. Has seen second act of genocidal actions and intent was Israel inciting a serious mental and bodily harm. As I said before, 60,000 people have been wounded and maimed, mostly women and children. Yep. I'm pretty sure women and children aren't part of Hamas. Places where there's several places where the health system has collapsed. I saw today on Twitter there's six ambulances in operation in Gaza. Six ambulances for two million people. There's been arrests of large number of Palestinians, including children who were undressed and loaded onto trucks, going to unknown locations. And a lot of them have come back speaking of being tortured and beaten. I remember the, I remember the videos posted saying these are um, Hamas militants. They're boasting about it. Even though posting people um, half naked is actually humiliation, which is against which is against um, international law. When, when, when sorry, with regards to prisoners of war, only for them to admit that only, that only ten to fifteen percent of all those people that they stripped down were actually affiliated with Hamas in, and that's affiliated with Hamas. So, and that's their numbers, which they're probably lying because they've lied the whole way through, and these people in the cold, with no clothes, were made to walk home from wherever they were. Horrifying. Act number three, food displacement and food blocking. Hassim argued that Israel is deliberately imposing conditions that cannot sustain to life. Thousands of families have been displaced multiple times, with 500,000 now have no home to return to. And we've seen people try to return to their homes in, in North Gaza, actually get shot and killed by the IDF. They, did, they killed 10 people a week or two ago she also argues um, Israel gave hospitals orders to evacuate within 24 hours with no assistance in moving injured or or providing medical supplies people if people are in incubators babies in incubators they can't move she argues that these requests are genocidal in itself which I completely agree Israel blockaded food and water from the Strip, causing widespread hunger. It removed the ability to distribute, which was available by restricting the movement of aid workers. And this is absolute facts. Remember, they, they, spoke about, they spoke about restriction of food and water and stuff like that. 500 aid trucks used to come in a day. That number got absolutely bamboozled. Israel, according to Hassim, had also deliberately imposed conditions denying Palestinians in Gaza adequate shelter, clothes, bedding, and critical non-food items. She said there is no safe water to drink, clean, and cook, and that disease and diseases cases, including um, diarrhea, are soaring. She said many more Palestinians may die from hunger diseases if the siege continues, and this is true. And this is what always happens at war: you always get a large chunk of people also die to the humanitarian conditions. Another point, destruction of the healthcare system. 
is your military assaulted on the Gaza healthcare system? There was a gentleman that was on Talk TV that was really spoken to by some absolute prat, I forget the woman's name, and he was a doctor in Gaza. And what really pisses me off, sorry, another rant, is you get these Palestinians coming in and you're seeing non-stop disrespect to them. They've been gaslit. There's literally no sympathy for these people. And then you see them say, oh, I feel about how Jewish people must feel because people are peacefully protesting. Meanwhile, you're having people who have literally lost family members. One person lost like 13, fam 21 family members. This man I was speaking to lost colleagues. He himself has been personally shot by Israel an Israeli sniper while wearing his white doctor cloak. I've seen them blow ambulances, struck the hospital, shooting at people around the hospital. The healthcare system is in complete disarray. They're performing surgery to no anesthesia. Absolutely horrifying. And finally, the, prevent the preventing of Palestinian births. Lastly, Hasim added Israel is blocking life, life-saving treatment needed to deliver babies. She also adds about the amounts of prevent births prevented in Gaza is an act of genocide. She also cited Reem Asalem, a UN special rapporteur on violence against women and girls, who had earlier warned that the re reproductive violence inflicted by Israel on passing women, newborn babies, and infants and children could be qualified as acts of genocide. Now, uh, my summarization of these points, and obviously I watched all the proceedings, it, obviously because Palestine, um, not Palestinian, um, the South African lawyers had to present their case before Israel did. They kind of had to anticipate Israel's arguments. So they had to like prepare like their arguments of what and how, okay, cool. This is genocidal intent and Israel might say it's not because of this, but here is why it actually is. And they brought up all the comments of all of these high-ranking Israeli officials. And I think they did a fantastic job. Now let's move on to Israel's arguments after this short break. British lawyer Malcolm Shaw Casey argued that South Africa's application disrupted and de dis disrupted and decontextualized Israel's military actions in Gaza, and by accusing and by accusing Israel of genocide, they were diluting the meaning of the crime. Now, here's some of their key points: right to self-defense. Israel argued that Hamas attack. Um, on army outposts and villages with the capture of hostages is what started the Gaza war. They argued that Israel has the right to defend themselves under the remiss of international law. Now, Becker also, and this is another lawyer, Becker told the court that genocide convention was also drawn up post Holocaust and the interim order against Israel is denying Israel's capability to those who, hostages who have been taken and those displaced by the border. Because obviously by the southern border which is north of gaza and um, people have moved because obviously what happened which is quite funny because like like almost too many people are displaced but that's not really not there in 2003 icj ruled that an occupying power can't claim the right to self-defense israel do not consider themselves an occupying power but the chances are the icj does consider them occupying power the un considers them occupying power even the united kingdom um, believes they're occupying power because it's obvious if first of all you're occupying several parts of West Bank they can't actually have elections without your say so and even though you left Gaza I think in 2005-2006 you have completely and utterly blockaded it 
you're in control of what comes in and comes out. It sounds like occupation to me. The next argument, which is I think probably is your strongest one, is genocidal intent because it's quite hard to prove genocide, especially before it kind of actually happens. Israel team claims South Africa's argument is based on random assertions. It is very difficult to make that argument though because of the statements of the Israeli authorities, which I've gone through in a pod a million times. You've had um, Netanyahu speaking, um, invoking the case of Amalek, and this is a biblical story where men, women, and children were all killed, nobody was spared. You've got Ben Gavir, who's the national security minister, Adam Schmutrich, who is the finance minister, speaking of the long-term occupation of of Gaza, speaking of moving um, the Palestinians out of Gaza. You've had the agricultural minister speaking of nuking them. You've got um, you've got other ministers and government officials saying that nobody in Gaza is innocent. People speaking of they should be starved. Not enough forces being used. So, and then you've got also the videos which was referred to by um, the South African lawyers of the actions of their IDF forces, and they they made a link between the the comments at the top to the conduct of the forces to show that this is the conduct of genocide. Shaw claimed that Amalek's statement was taken out of context, which is quite frankly idiotic. Um, Israel's next point of defense is genocidal actions. Israeli lawyers claim Hamas was using civilians as human shields and the Israeli troops were trying to minimize civilian um, losses. Israel's lawyers also said on Friday that concerns that their troops had transgressed the rules of the war would be addressed by Israel's robust legal system. Now, reality is Israel's um, military legal system is kind of fugazing and it's quite hard to say that they try to minimize civilian deaths when you are dropping when 50% of your ammunition has been dumb bombs. We have seen countless occurrences of innocent people being killed, not just by aerial assault, but also ground assault, like by shooting. They even killed three of their own hostages. Like, come on. And this is the next one, lack of jurisdiction. This is a super interesting point. Israel claims South Africa failed to communicate with them about the case filing the application to the court, which is required by the rules of the court. So the rules of court says that, okay, cool. You have to actually contact Israel and say, you don't like what they're doing. You guys have a dialogue. And if nothing changes, then you actually raise a dispute, which South Africa actually didn't really do. They believe by just mentioning, like withdrawing diplomats and making the statements they have and condemning them is actually in fact them raising the dispute. They also claim they only had a few days to respond to notification it was committed genocide. Um, they, Israel also, Israeli lawyer also said they've been willing to have a dialogue with the South Africans, um, but they had first rejected a written, um, um, written, I think, admission due to holiday. To bring the case before the ICJ, it's necessary to show that there has been a prior dispute between the two parties, as I mentioned earlier. So. The actual procedural argument is quite interesting um, that Israel was trying to make. And the next one, humanitarian aid. Allegations that blocking old blocking water and fuel and other supplies from Gaza are inaccurate. As 70 trucks of food were uh, was allowed to Gaza before the war and that gone up to 106 in the past two weeks. However, the UN clearly states that 500 trucks were entering Gaza daily then Israel banned all aid, which we all remember we were there. 200 trucks were able to go through, and this is per day, during the week pause where um, there was exchanging of hostages. Um, 
if you look at just words of Galit Raglan, the director of international justice, uh, the vision of is of Israel's minister ministers of justice said Hamas seized aid supplies for its fighters. Guys also claimed that Israel had not targeted hospitals and helped evacuate patients, which is quite obviously they also gave incubators and stuff like that. But this stuff is kind of cat because the reason why they gave incubators is because the incubators couldn't work because of your actions. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, Israel did want to show. Uh, the 47 minute video they've been showing to people privately about Hamas's actions, but the court didn't deem that necessary. Um, and a lot of Israel's arguments was like, um, South Africa have, are taking up, are becoming the legal entity of Hamas and Hamas should be on trial. Hamas did this, Hamas did that. And it, and it looked like their argument, the main argument was one, um, South Africa didn't follow procedural rules. They tried to minimize civilian, civilian deaths and Hamas did all these terrible things. Hamas wants to kill them. Hamas, 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 Hamas. And that's all well and good, but there is absolutely no actual action by any states that genocide is an acceptable retaliation. So I'm not sure about that. So in my opinion, I think South Africa made good arguments. I think Israel did okay. I think Israeli lawyers had a very hard task because like the evidence against them is quite, quite endless. Um, some analysis I was looking at told me about how like obviously US that like there's a lawyer that's from the United States there's a lawyer from Russia and the UK and, da, 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 da. and that initially made me feel like ah oh, Israel want to get away with it but doing more research looking at more podcasts I think I watched Owen Jones video with somebody who studies his stuff quite uh, a doctor from I think is it University of London I can't remember the university I don't want to butcher um it might be Queen Mary, one of one of these, um, a very um, an academic. He was basically saying that it don't work like that. These judges are really about international law, and it just depends on the interpretation of international law. And naturally, your interpretation of international law kind of deems on where you were taught. Um, I also watched another gentleman who um, actually had the first successful case in terms of genocide. I think he was the one who did uh, the. I think it was a 2003 case um, with regards to what happened with. Um, Serbia, Yugoslavia and them. And he believes that South Africa are going to win the case. So we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. But yeah, that's it from this week's pod. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll be back on Thursday. Might speak on the postal worker thing. I don't know what I'm going to speak on. I haven't decided yet. But yeah. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Peace and blessings. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.